Hello and welcome everyone to Asian Voices Radio, where you'll find real Asian American conversations, including the topics you were too afraid to ask your Asian parents. I'm your host, Sheena Yap Chan. Today, we have a special guest. She's dubbed a manifesto for the menstrual movement, author of Period Power, a book chronicling not only her personal experience as a young woman growing up, learning about periods through a skewed lens of shame and stigma, but speaks to a great number of women's experiences with their monthly cycle. It's a pleasure to have Nadia Okamoto on Asian Voices Radio today. Welcome, Nadia. Thank you so much for having me. Could you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Um, I am Nadia. I'm 23. I'm based in New York City, and I'm very passionate about periods and currently focused on August, which is a lifestyle period brand. Thanks so much. I know you founded Period, a nonprofit organization in 2014 with a mission to end period poverty and stigma at age 16. I'm sure there were challenges and obstacles that you've had to face and overcome. Can you share your experience of what you went through back then? Did you have a lot of supporters when you first started? Um, you know, I think that the supporters I had were really like my family and the people around me who really cared about what we were building. But I think that, you know, starting a period focused thing in 2014 in high school, it was definitely hard to kind of get initial support from the general public. But I think a lot of that was I was just kind of learning how to talk to people publicly and do organizing in the first place. And I think my whole career has really been like learning on the job. Um, But I'm really thankful because I think from the very beginning, my family was always super supportive and there wasn't even a question on, on if I could, you know, start something big. It was just kind of, they trusted that I was very passionate about it and I wanted to get started with it. Thanks so much. And I know you have a book called Period Power. What inspired you to write this book and when did it all start? Um, You know, I think I was really inspired to write the book just from working in the period space for several years. And I think just wishing that there was this sort of toolkit that I could hand people on, you know, what I was fighting for and why I was fighting for it um, and just kind of wanting to go from there. And I think that that was really important from the very beginning. And I think for me, period power was really kind of taking it into my own hands and writing that toolkit myself. Um, But it was also an incredible experience to do a lot of learning and research along the way. Thanks for sharing that. And what kind of impact has it made since you started this movement? Um, I mean, it's definitely been really exciting to see the book out in the world because I think that, you know, we get messages every day of people who, you know, looked up uh, how to get involved in period activism or, um, you know, kind of, you know, get involved in in general, um, you know, women's health work or um, inequality work uh, from reading the book. And I think that that's just honestly been the most meaningful thing to me of hoping that anybody who reads it could have some added um, interest in getting involved in their local communities around an issue that they're really passionate about. Thanks for sharing that, Nadia. And I know you're a big advocate for youth empowerment. What other activism have you been involved in? Um, you know, I think it's interesting because I, I mean, I really identify like activism is just like the concept of pushing against the status quo. And I think that for me, I really try to show up and be as humble as possible and learning as much as I can and, you know, taking accountability when I need to and doing a lot of unlearning and learning and showing up as my full self and being unafraid to talk about things like periods and mental health. And, you know, if someone chooses to define that as activism in the sense that like, 
I talk about something that most people don't, then so be it. Um, And so I think that for me, I've always just really been passionate about really talking about menstrual health and mental health. Thanks for sharing that. I know both both subjects, mental health and menstrual um, cycles, are such a huge taboo in the Asian community. You know, we're not really even supposed to talk about it. So you showing up and just talking about this is so important and just really grateful that you're doing the work that you do. But I'd love to know a little bit more about yourself growing up. Were you born in the U.S.? Yeah, I was born in the U.S. um, And uh, my dad is from Japan and my mom was born in the U.S. Her parents are from Taiwan. Thanks for sharing that. And why is it important for others, men or women, to engage themselves in social and or political activism in their communities? I mean, I think that engaging in like civically is important because politics is so personal. At the end of the day, politics can feel like really, you know, far out this larger concept that feels really inaccessible. But at the end of the day, like politics affects our daily civic and personal lives. Um, And unfortunately, today, we're still fighting for like basic rights to govern our own bodies. And I think that because of that, the personal is political. And it's something that we really always need to think about. Did your parents support you running for office? Um, Yeah, so I ran off for office when I was 19. And I definitely think it took some time for my mom to like warm up to the idea. Um, But she was eventually really supportive. And just I think, you know, they were they were supportive of just being able, you know, I think me stepping into doing whatever I wanted to do in terms of, uh, you know, fighting for, you know, housing affordability and things I really cared about. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's awesome. At the age of 19, you you decided to run for office. What about your friends and those in your community? Were they very supportive as well? I think that certain friends were. I think that, you know, it was a kind of interesting concept to grasp onto and, and not a lot of people, I think, and I don't think I did the best job of explaining why I wanted to and, you know, why I was doing it. And um, and I think that for me, it was really interesting to see which friends were kind of easily able to jump on board and which friends were like a little bit c- confused about what I was doing because I was a freshman at Harvard. And, you know, I think everyone was kind of finding their own footing on, you know, what we were doing. And I think... Um, I think that there, there, there were definitely friends who did not really understand why I was, you know, going for it. And uh, there were friends who just were really supportive and excited from the very beginning. Thanks for sharing that. I know sometimes when you go out there and do something of your own, not everyone can understand it. And even if you try to explain it 20 times, they're still like, you know, scratching their heads. But when you know what you're doing and what your purpose is, you're just going to go out there and do it like what you did. And, you know, I, I was just curious, what was the process like? Can you elaborate a little bit more on that when you were running uh, for office? Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it was just um, just kind of constantly trying to connect and listen to the community. I think that that was the biggest learning I took away was just kind of the appreciation that I do have for public servants and people who do choose to run for office, because at the end of the day that, you know, they run and do that work in order to be able to, um, you know, really serve their communities. And that takes understanding what the community's needs are. Um And I think that a lot of my learning was just kind of constantly, you know, going out, canvassing, doing events, um, speaking at forums, listening, asking a lot of questions. And I think at the end of the day, like that's what politicians should be. They should just be really ears for the community and listening to what the needs of the community are and kind of, you know, everything from zoning codes and how it affects daily life to recycling programs 
um, and housing development and kind of being able to being able to do a lot of that active listening and synthesize it into needs of the community that then they can go advocate for at higher levels of government. Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, if anyone wanted to or decided to uh, run for office, where would they start? Um, I think that it really starts by building stronger roots in the community and kind of getting involved in local government or at whatever scale that you want to work at. I think that, you know, if I could go back and do things differently, I definitely would. Um, and there are a lot of things that I wish I, you know, I thought about further before I ran for office. And I think one of those is, you know, really taking the time to get to know the whole history of local government and, you know, um, you know, kind of more about the exact role and thinking about, you know, for me, I think I got into it really being like students need to be involved, especially in a college town. And I think if someone were to run for office, it's really important to like acknowledge like what that responsibility is, what it looks like long term, and also understand like the scope of who else is running. And I think being able to do that research at the very beginning is really important. And I then think, you know, being able to, um, you know, connect with local community organizers and build that kind of coalitions at the local grassroots campaign level, I think is really important as well. Were most of your supporters men or women? Um, I think most of the supporters I've had are definitely like people who get their periods. Um, just because I think that, you know, that's always been like my biggest um, passion. And I think I've always been very vocal about it. And so I think people who do get their periods and can relate um, are often my my kind of uh, become like my greatest community. I think I also just like for me, I have like a special love with people who get their periods because it is something I'm so passionate about and love talking about. So naturally that kind of becomes my extended community as well. And where were you at with your initiative now since you've ran for office? You know, I think that for me, I really focus on um, afterward, just continuing to do the work around menstrual health. I think running for office honestly just really taught me where I, where my strengths were and kind of, I think where my genuine you know, where I could genuinely make a larger impact. And I think that for me, I was really proud of the fact that we had mobilized people in, in the community, gotten students involved and interested. Um, and I think that since then, I've just been really interested in kind of taking a lot of those learnings and um, bringing them into my work, both with period when I was running the organization and now really focusing again on continuing to listen to young menstruators and figuring out how we can improve period care um, in my work with August, which is a, you know, direct to consumer lifestyle period brand. We make more sustainable tampons and pads. Um, and, you know, again, before starting the company, a huge part of our focus was really just being able to listen to a lot of menstruators and ask them like what their needs are and how period care could be different and then building from there. Thanks for sharing that. And I know you started August and I'm pretty sure, you know, starting a company is not always easy, but why did you pick the name August? Um, August just translates into majestic dignity, and I think that dignity is a word that came up a lot when we were thinking about how to name the company. And um, at the same time, I think you know, for us, we it was really important to, for us to have a gender inclusive name from the very beginning. What other things are you focused on today, or what's your plan for the next five to ten years? Any uh, anything you want to share? Yeah, I mean, I just graduated from Harvard a couple months ago, and so I think right now I've just been like excited to be done with school um, and. Right now, I'm just really focused on August and, you know, building that um, and doing a lot of writing. And um, I also recently launched my podcast, Tigress. Um, and that's just kind of been like a really fun way of keeping kind of this open diary. And, and I think that that's been really fun and just talking a lot more, more about mental health and, 
you know, kind of what this journey has been like. And so, um, yeah, I think that for me, just focusing on kind of this menstrual health work, mental health advocacy, and, um, you know, doing a lot more writing and, you know, doing a lot of like healing and learning how to rest and self-care and sleep um, have kind of been like my biggest focuses so far. I know sometimes, you know, we are, we hustle so much that we forget to rest and recharge. And that's just as important as, you know, working for our advocacies and just working towards a greater purpose. So I love that you mentioned that because it's not always easy to keep on working, 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 and then you don't take any rest. You know, everything starts with yourself to give your best self to others and to do the things that you want to do. So I really love that you mentioned that. And what do you plan to accomplish through August? Do you have a certain vision? Um, I mean, I think for us, it's just really reimagining period care to be as inclusive and empowering as possible. Now, I know you've shared your story publicly of experiencing sexual abuse and violence in your relationship with your father as a child. This is also something that very few people feel comfortable talking about it openly. It must not have been easy. So what made you decide to share such personal and private stories with others? Um, You know, I think that for me, everybody processes in a different way. And for me, I think it's been really wonderful to be able to find and build community, I think, through like the Me Too movement, right? I think that so many of the issues around mental health and um, being a survivor leave you feeling really isolated. And I think that for me, a lot of my, you know, the abuse I experienced made me feel like I was the only one experiencing it and I was so alone and nobody was going to believe me. And I think from hearing other survivor stories, that was a huge a huge integral part of being able to heal. Um, and at the end of the day, like that's really what I needed in my own life. And I think for me, I started feeling it as a personal responsibility to talk about my own story and find that community selfishly as well. Um, and I think that for me, it just, it was kind of like a, a necessity in my own healing journey. And I think everybody has a different healing journey for sure. Thanks for sharing that. And it's not easy to share something that private too. And especially, you know, Asian culture, we're always told to never talk about what we're going through, our struggles. And we always tend to keep everything inside. But, you know, here you are talking about the struggles you went to, talking about the sexual abuse you went through as a child. And, and, you know, there's someone out there who can relate and realize, you know, they're not alone in this journey. And that can make a huge difference in someone's life, right? They can stand up for themselves. They have the confidence to share their story. And, you know, become better, right? And start healing. Of course, healing is not always an easy thing. It's not always pretty, but at least, you know, we're going to the right direction. So I know it's very hard and scary to share that kind of story, but I really commend you for sharing that. And, you know, for those listening to this interview right now, what would you like to tell them? I would just say, I think that what I, what I wish that I could kind of, you know, have focused on before is just learning to, you know, rest. And I think that we, especially like I think in my own experience with my, you know, Chinese and Japanese culture and, you know, the immigrant background, I think that there's a lot of this like myth of meritocracy that you just have to like hustle, hustle, hustle to be happy and successful. And I think that I'm very much on my own journey of I'm learning a lot of that um, and learning to just kind of like chill and be really present um, is really important. I had to unlearn a lot of things as well in my own Asian culture, you know, especially the hustle, hustle, hustle part, like getting burnt out and just not feeling enough and learning to rest makes a huge difference. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And, you know, I I was just curious, do you still maintain a relationship with your father today? No, not at all. 
Okay, thanks for sharing that. And I know you are a big advocate for youth empowerment. What other activism have you been involved in? Why is it so important for men or women to engage themselves in social political activism in their communities? I mean, I think it's just kind of what I said before, which is, you know, the importance of acknowledging that the effects of political discussions are so personal um, and being able to advocate for, you know, what your needs are, but also the needs of the people around you. I'd like to hear a little bit more about, you know, what what are, you know, some of the things you're doing right now to, um, you know, just for yourself. Like, I think people don't talk about enough, you know, just some of the things they do outside of their advocacies. You know, maybe there's a hobby that we don't know about or something you've never shared, if that's okay with you. Yeah. I mean, I think that for me, working out and physical exercise has always been like a really important part of my day to day. Um, and, you know, being able to, to, you know, focus on that has always been really, really important. Um, and, um, yeah, I think just connecting to my body and learning to love sleeping is a huge part of my own healing journey as well. Thanks for sharing that. I also like to work out. Well, even though I complain, uh, I still feel good after a workout. You know, you just feel refreshed. You know, you get to mind dump everything that's been in your head. And like for me, it's my form of meditation. So, you know, I'm glad you're able to share that. And, you know, I just really love the work that you do, right? Especially talking about menstruation, talking about mental health. Those are two huge taboos in the Asian community that, you know, we're not told to talk about or we tell we tend to avoid. And, you know, here you are, you know, sometimes people feel like, you know, one person can't make a change, but they can. And it doesn't matter what age you are. You started doing it at the age of 14, right? Or 16? Yeah, 16. Um, So it's been kind of quite a while, seven years, which is so crazy. Yeah. And who knew seven years would fly by so fast, right? You've graduated from Harvard, you ran for office. I mean, you know, anything is possible if you set your mind to it. And it hasn't been an easy, easy journey as well, right? You've had your own um, share of hardships. Yeah, it's definitely been kind of an up and down journey. um, But, uh, you know, has been super rewarding. And I feel really lucky to be able to do something that I am so genuinely passionate about every single day. Um, and, And yeah, excited to to kind of keep on keep on building as well. Awesome. We're always rooting for you. So I love, you know, seeing all your social media posts on Instagram and LinkedIn and just sharing everything you've done and your authenticity. And I just think it's such a refreshing perspective just to see all that. So thank you so much. And, you know, if our listeners wanted to get to know a little bit more about you, check out your podcast, check out August. Is there any links or social media profiles we can connect with? Yeah, just at Nadio Komodo on social media or at It's August. And obviously, August is itsaugust.co. And that's been really, really fun from the very beginning. Thank you, Nadia, for coming on Asian Voices Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Having inspirational figures like Nadia who are changing the narrative of what it means to menstruate and dismantle the stigma and negative connotations of periods is so powerful. On behalf of my guest, Nadia Okamoto, I'd like to thank you all for listening. If you have any suggestions for future topics, we'd love to hear from you. Also, be sure to subscribe as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next week, I'm Sheena Yapchan. I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next week, take care, everyone.